Praise God. So we're going to continue this morning on the subject that I started last Sunday morning entitled Identity. Establishing our identity of who we are in Jesus Christ. It's so vitally important that we know who we are as children of the Most High God, created in His likeness and His image. And then in the New Testament tells us that when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we become a new creation, that old things are washed away, passed away, and all things become brand new. And so for a, a new creation, we need to understand what is that new creation? Who is this new person that we have become, this, this heart transformation that has taken place in us when we uh, placed our faith in Jesus Christ? It's so important that we become established in our true identity as followers of God, followers of Jesus Christ. The culture has always, it's, it's not new, but of course we experience it in the time that we're living in, is relentless in trying to convince us that if we just follow all their patterns and styles and, and uh, theories and so forth, and if we just find the right relationships and we do a good job of keeping up with our appearances and, uh, and, and, and strive for success, that we will live happy and fulfilled lives. Now, certainly I'm not opposed to having a happy and fulfilled life, but we need to make sure that we are pursuing it in a proper perspective, that the foundation of a happy and fulfilled life is, is a result of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Because just chasing after all the things of vanity, all the things that the world has to offer is going to only lead us into despair and into even a greater emptiness within our hearts, within our souls. And so the Bible is very clear that it's in Christ Jesus that we find our true identity. It's in Christ. There's over 200 scriptures identifying who we are in Jesus Christ. And over 200 times where God declares us to be who we are and who Christ has made us to be. And we need to come to a place where we understand that we have no other identity. Who God has made us to be, declared us to be, and who Jesus Christ has made us to be as a result of uh, his sacrificial work at Calvary's cross is the final authority. It is who God declares us to be. Even when you study the life of Jesus... When uh, I shared it with you last Sunday morning, Jesus' identity was challenged uh, just like you and I are challenged in our identity. You know, the Bible makes it very clear that Jesus was uh, challenged. He was tempted in all points, even as we are. But one of the first temptations that he was tempted with was when after he received the fullness of the Spirit, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tested, to be tempted by the enemy. And the, the enemy's temptation to Jesus was, it went like this, if, everyone say if, that word if, if you are the son of God. You know, so the, 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 the identity was being challenged. If you are who you say you are, if you are who you think you believe in your heart to be, if that is really true, then do this. Cast, uh, uh, cause these stones to be turned into bread and, and just various temptations that he put out there for Jesus. But the beautiful thing about that we can learn from that is even though the enemy tested him, challenged him in his identity, Jesus did not resort to works. He did not resort to doing something to prove his identity. He refused. He never did anything to prove his identity. What he did is he said, it is written. Likewise, with our identity, the Bible declares us to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
The old man has been done away with. We have become brand new. Our sins are washed away. God remembers our sins no more. That is our identity as being in right standing with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And that's what we have to camp on that reality. We have to settle in on that's who we are in Christ Jesus. And every time the enemy comes up and makes us feel condemned, wants to make us feel guilty, make us feel like we are unworthy, make us feel that we are not worthy for heaven, We're not worthy to receive blessings in our lives. We're not worthy to receive God's gracious healing in our lives, God's abundant provision in our lives, God's Holy Spirit direction in our lives. We're not worthy of that. Whenever the enemy tries to convince us of that, we need to go back to the Word of God and find out where it is written and declare, no, it is written. I am a child of God. I am free. I am healed. I am whole. I am a child of God. Amen. And so familiarize yourself with the word of God and keep doing what Jesus did. And he declared that it is written. There's a story in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers in chapter 13. It's a story where uh, Moses was to uh, lead the children. He brought the children out of, he, he led the Exodus. And now the God's children are in the wilderness, and so the next step is to go from the wilderness into the promised land, into Canaan land. And so God instructed Moses to take a leader from every tribe. So he appointed one leader from the 12 tribes. He sent 12 men into the promised land to spy out the land and bring us back a good report. Bring us back the report of the land. So the men went in and they spied out the land and they came back to bring the report to Moses concerning the land. Of course, they said it's a good land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. And they said all the good things about it. But then they started also reciting the negative things and the things that scared them. And one of the things they said in that particular report that they brought back to Moses said, and there are giants in the land. And we were as grasshoppers in our, in our sight And so we were in their sight. Now imagine that. We were as grasshoppers, or literally we were as insects in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And it was how they saw themselves, they assumed that's how the enemy saw them. How we see ourselves, we assume other people see us. How we see ourselves, we assume that our enemies see us. And that faulty perception of themselves as being nothing but mere insects. Here they are. They are covenant children of God. And don't forget, not only are they covenant children of the Most High God, they are leaders of the tribes. And 10 of those leaders, two of them had a, were very positive as Caleb and Joshua went into the promised land. The other, the 10, never made it in. So that faulty perception, that faulty identity was the beginning of 40 years of wilderness, wilderness wandering. Faulty perception of who you are will cause you to wander around in a wilderness, in a desert experience, and never accomplishing that which God wants you to accomplish, never experiencing what God wants you to experience, never entering into what God has in store for you. And it all relates to, it's not that God can't do it, it's not that he won't do it, it's that you won't allow him to do it because you you bought into this lie, you bought into this faulty perception of just being unworthy, 
just being as a mere insect, like, the, like these leaders were saying. And, and, and so since I see myself as an insect, I'm assuming that's how you see me as an insect, and therefore I'm just to be swatted and not to be appreciated. And so we have to get it straight in our minds. We have to get it right in our heart, and then again, our minds renewed to who we are in Jesus Christ, your identity of who you are as a child of God. Follower of God. You know, if, Christ, if, if becoming a Christian, if getting saved, really, you getting saved has no earthly value to it at all, if that's all there is to it. You getting saved means you're going to go to heaven, and it has no impact on your life now from the time you get saved until you go to heaven. It's really, it's not worth anything. If, you're not, if your life is not transformed, there's a transformation that's taking place even while we were here on earth. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so our salvation is so much more than just, than just a ticket to heaven. I clearly remember when, the night I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My attitude towards it was, I want to make sure that if I die and when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. To, to me, it was, a, it was a guaranteed ticket to heaven. Other than that, I really didn't know anything about it, didn't much care about anything other than that. I was just wanting to make sure that when I die, I go to heaven. Now, thank God I've come to find out there are so many benefits. His benefits are out of this world. Amen? And so he wants to bless us with so many things and having our, 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 our lives transformed, our minds renewed and our, and our lives transformed and, and becoming secure in our identity, secure in God's love and acceptance of who we are in Jesus Christ. The, uh, the goal is to live life with the settled conviction of being secure in who I am, being secure in, our, in, in my identity and you being secure in you, your identity. We have no other identity. Our primary effort for development must be to accept who we are in Christ. Accepting who we are in Jesus Christ. Not allowing the enemy, not even allowing our own mind to continually taunt us with, with what our life was like before Christ. And trying to convince us that we're not worthy. That we're not worthy to be used by God. That God can't really use us. And, and, and whatever other uh, guilt and condemnation he's going to put on us. In the book of Romans, when the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Rome, he's telling them that you know, there's no condemnation. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And one of the uh, most uh, familiar verses in all of our, our culture is John 3.16. We prayed it earlier when we prayed that prayer. That, that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have, but have everlasting life. You know what the next verse tells us? The very next verse says, Jesus did not come into this world to condemn the world. Man, most times when you go to church, you think the whole reason God's in the business is condemning us, making us feel guilty, making us feel ashamed, and, and, and so forth and so on. But it, it's, he didn't come to condemn us, but he came that the world through him might be saved. So he's interested in salvation. He's interested in, in changing our identity to having been a sinner to now being a saint in the kingdom of the Most High God. Amen? Your identity is so important, so become settled in it. I clearly remember as a teenager, uh, growing up in my parents' home, and my, my dad had this uh, 
I guess it was a habit. You call it a habit because I, I, I think he said it every time I was leaving the house, especially on weekends. I'd be, I'd be ready to go out for the weekend, and uh, he would say, he would look at me, and he would say, don't forget whose son you are. And used to, to be honest with you, it used to irritate me. I thought, you're just so full of pride. That was my perspective. But in getting older and having children of my own and just becoming more aware of the, the love of God and the love of a father for his children, I, I began to realize that what, what dad was really communicating was remember whose son you are and may the memory of being a sensitive and honoring the values of the Sensenic household and the faith that we have in God, may that identity, may you remember who you are, keep you from making poor choices. That's what he was really communicating. He just didn't know how to communicate it as well as I did. (laughs) But that's what he was communicating. Remember whose son you are. Now, take that to the heavenly father, God, the father reminding you at all times, remember whose child you are. Remember your identity. You're a child of God. And when you remember that your identity is that of being a child of the most high God, that you are loved, you are accepted, you are forgiven, you are made whole, you are healed, you are blessed, you are highly favored, when you remember that identity and that you have no other identity and you come to a place, I need to accept who I am in Christ Jesus. I accept who I am in Christ Jesus. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There, that particular verse right there is telling us that in Christ, if, you, when, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That is implying that you were something prior to being in Christ, but now that you've accepted Christ, you've become a new creation, and whatever you were before no longer exists. It's been done away with. You became something new. You became something brand new. And what happened, unbeknownst to you at the time, is that you, be, you, you received a new identity. You received a brand new identity. You have become, you have been made secure in God's love and in God's acceptance. You are now who God declares you to be, declared you to be, and who Jesus Christ has made you to be through the redemptive work at Calvary's cross. And so from now on, your identity must never, never be measured by a yardstick of your own making. It's something you will wrestle with. It's something you need to continue to deal with on a daily basis, but never, never measure your identity with a yardstick of your own design. You'll never measure up to who you really are. You'll come up short every time. You'll cheat yourself. You'll lie to yourself, and you won't, you won't measure up to what God has created you to be. We just don't do it. We don't have the courage to do it. 
We don't have that type of courage. Now turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. But know that you're a brand new creation in Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, we'll begin reading at verse 15. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And verse 18 tells us that he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that all things, that in all things he may have the preeminence. But notice verse 15. It says, He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ. Our Lord and our Savior is the image of the invisible God. Now, begin, uh, jump down there to verse 27. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, still talking about Jesus and and, and about us, our relationship with him. It says, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches, and it's talking about us, you could say to us, it says, "or, or to us, God willed to make known What are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? You know, it's Christ who is the very image of the invisible God. Hebrews says that he is the exact representation of God the Father in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. The exact representation of God the Father. He is the express image of of God. Verse 15 says he has, uh, verse 15 tells us he is the image of the invisible Godhead. And here it tells us that, that to make known, that God will to make known. It's God's will for you to know what are the riches of the glory of this mystery, the mystery of Christ being in you, the mystery of having been born again, the mystery of receiving a brand new identity, a new nature. This mystery. Uh, which has been made, uh, it's been hidden from ages and from generations, but it's God's will that you know this, that, uh, and, and what it is, is it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when I make a declaration that I am whole, I am loved, I am favored, I am healed, I'm making those declarations based on the invisible God dwelling in me through Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. That's my new nature. That is my identity. It's the already but not yet tension that we experience in this world. It's the benefits of having been born again but not yet in heaven. I'm now born again. I'm not yet in heaven, but now that I'm born again, I am blessed. I am favored. I am whole. I am healed. I am loved. I am cared for. I'm the apple of God's eye. I have a new identity. And by faith, I receive that. And by faith, I walk in that until the the very fullness of it when I stand at heaven's door. Amen? That's why we live by faith and not by sight. You say, well, you don't look whole, you don't look healed, and you don't feel well, and you don't feel healed, and you don't feel this, you don't think that, and you don't see this, and you don't see that. Well, we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Amen? 
But I'll tell you what, if you're ever going to start feeling it and going to start experiencing it, you have to, we have to begin to receive it as a truth, as a, as a gift from God, and we receive it by faith in Jesus' name. So the mystery that God wants to make known to you and to me and, and, and to the church today is that's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Then the Apostle Paul goes on in verse 28 and he says, it's him we preach, talking about Jesus. We're talking about everything that Jesus has come to do, talking about your identity as a child of God, as Christ dwelling in you. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. That's the responsibility of the church. That's why we gather together as a church, to preach, to teach, and, 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 and to, uh, to warn every man and to teach every man in all wisdom. And the outcome of it is, are you ready for it? That we may present every member of Grace Fellowship Church perfect in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your overwhelming enthusiasm. You're looking at that and saying, I'm not sure I like that identity. <laughs> or I'm not sure I'm comprehending that identity. Well, that's who you are. Amen? Every man, every person, present every person perfect in Christ Jesus. That's why we gather together. That's why we come together to pray, to worship, to minister the word of God, to hearing of God's word. Faith comes by hearing. And, and faith for what? It's faith that we are in the likeness of Christ, faith that we, are, that, that we have victory over this world system, that we're no longer slaves to sin. These are not just songs we sing or verses that we memorize. This is reality. This is my identity. This is who I am in Christ Jesus. And like my father always said, remember whose son you are. I'm saying to you, I remember whose child you are. You are a child of the most high God. Amen. Amen. So remember your identity. It's brand new. It's in Christ Jesus. And it's for you today. Present you perfect in Christ. <laughs> Just let... You reflect on that and meditate on that. And one of the ways, one of the best things you can do in, in, in learning to absorb that is uh, just take some time and look into the mirror. Now, I personally don't like looking into the mirror, my bathroom mirror. You know, I see flaws and I see things that, you know, I wish were different or, you know, my teeth could be wider and straighter and less cavities or my smile could be different or my lips could be shaped different. I wouldn't have this fat lip from an accident, you know, when I was a teenager and, and uh, you know, perhaps I could just get some plastic surgery and have that lump removed under that lip from that accident or, you know, my smile would look more attractive and, you know, just, you know, I see some... Stuff thinning that I don't want to thin. I want my waist to be thin, but I don't want my hair to be thinner. And I have no idea why my hair wants to thin on the top, but it wants to grow out of my ears and my nose. But <laughs> I haven't quite figured that one out yet. It's like, it's like I have to rearrange some things here. It's like, <laughs> but, you know, so it's looking into a natural mirror, and I'm, you know, I think we all probably wish things were different. But you can look into this mirror, the mirror of God's word. Now, here's what I like. When I look into the mirror of God's word, because I'm a child of the most high God, 
that he became sin for me and gave me his righteousness, that he remembers my sin no more. As far as the east is from the west, he doesn't remember it. I like the fact that he says, I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Wow. I am a child of God. I like it when this mirror reflects back to me that I do not have the spirit of fear. When I'm fearing, feeling, sensing fear, then I look into the mirror of God's word. And just, no, he didn't give me a spirit of fear, but he has given me the spirit of power, the spirit of love, the spirit of a sound mind. It's like, wow, that's who I am. This is who I am. My job and your job is to daily, daily convince yourself, persuade yourself who you are by faith. This is who I am. This is who I am in Christ Jesus. If we would spend, for some people, if you spend as much time in the Word of God as you do in front of the vanity mirror, it would make a big improvement in your spiritual walk and just understanding your new identity of who you are in Christ Jesus. We are who God has declared us to be and who Jesus has made us to be. That's who I am. It's who I am. 1 John 4.17, I still have a hard time wrapping my mind around this and talking about the love of God and telling us that as he is, as he is, as Jesus is, we're nowhere close to him. Is that what your Bible says? No. No. It says, as he is, so are we. And then the next line, in this world, as he is, so are we in this this world. Well, why wouldn't it be if we are born again of God and Christ, who's in the very image, the very likeness, the exact representation of God has taken up residence within me and he made me a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Why wouldn't I be like him in this world? That's what being a Christian is. It's being Christ-like. Amen. Is your identity starting to change a little bit or is it more like a kaleidoscope and just kind of keeps, <laughs> you're quite sure where it's at. There's a lot of pretty designs, but I can't get any real clarity on it. No, it, it, it can become very clear in who you are as he is. Well, how is he? How is he? See, one of our challenges in, 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 in becoming established in our identity, because I'm giving you all these different illustrations and giving you the word, Elva, uh, that we are in his likeness and his image, but that doesn't help us a whole lot if we don't even know what his likeness is, what his image is. Or we're not settled in who, what, who he is or what he's like. It keeps evolving and it keeps moving uh, based on what we are experiencing in our lives. Folks, when we interpret what God is like based on our experiences, based on our emotions and and what we are going through at the moment, we will never have a sure foundation. We must determine the truth and the reality of God's love for us based upon the word of God. We must assure our salvation for us. We must assure the fact that we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus based on the authority of Scripture, not on life experiences. Because some moments you may not feel like the righteousness of God. But you look into the mirror of God's word, it declares that you have been made 
This is what you have been made. You have been made to be in right standing with God. Well, if that's what I'm made and this is what I'm feeling, how do I reconcile it? What happens many times is when uh, we're not experiencing what the Word of God is declaring us to be, we judge God and we judge the fact that, well, I'm not experiencing his goodness, so apparently he's not good all the time. We can go around saying that God is good and people respond all the time and all the time God is good. And we say all that thing, but then when we're not experiencing his goodness, then we judge him, perhaps he's not good all the time. But he is good all the time. Regardless of what I'm experiencing in my life, God is good. Amen? He's either good or he's not good. I believe he's good. He's either your savior or he's not your savior. I believe he's your savior. It's either true or it's not true. And if we're going to just, and we want to come to a place where we're basing our identity on the word of God on Scripture, on the authority of God's Word and His likeness, and, 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 and to believe it, to believe it, and not to allow a, a faulty perception of our identity, to, like the, the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, that entire generation, they didn't make it in. They never arrived to what God had in store for them because of a faulty perception. And people believed it. Not only did they believe it, but the congregation, the, the, the multitudes believed it. They bought into it. Yeah, we're just a bunch of insects. We can't go in there. We can't conquer that land. We can't do this. We can't do that. Well, the Bible is not for telling us all the things we can't do. It's for showing us all the things that we have available to us at our disposal as a result of being a new creation in Christ Jesus. Don't lie, your, don't lie to yourself. Don't allow other people to be lying to you and, and, and purpose that I am a child of God. I'm going to continue to remind myself, this is who I am. Take a good look into the word. Reflect on God's words concerning your identity. Meditate on his, declared, on his, on his declarations concerning your identity. Let them settle into your heart and begin to speak and to say about yourself only what God's word declares about you to be true. The next time you're going to make a statement about yourself, just pause for a moment and say, is this true? What I'm about to say, is this really true in, in light of God's word? Is this really true in light of me being a child of God? Is this really true in the fact that I have Jesus who is in the very, in the very likeness of God, lives in me, dwells in me? Is this statement that I'm about to make, is it true? And it's, it, 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 it'll, it, it'll be a challenge for all of us that if we purpose and we're going to set a guard and I'm not going to speak it if it does not come into alignment with the Word of God, but I'm going to find out what does God's Word say. And then I'm going to begin declaring the Word of the Lord. I am feeling, I'm being tempted to yield to the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is pressing in on me, but I'm not going to start declaring that I'm just a fearful person. Oh, I'm just a fearful person. Oh, I just have such fear. Oh, I just have such fear. No, I'm not going to declare that. I'm not saying I never experience fear, but when I'm experiencing fear, I'm going to say, 
Thank you, Lord. In the midst of this tremendous pressure to yield to the spirit of fear, I thank you, Lord God, that your word declares that you did not give the spirit of fear to me, but you have given me the spirit of power. You've given me the spirit of love. You've given me the spirit of a sound mind. And in this spirit of soundness of mind, I am making a declaration that I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. I will not submit myself. I will not yield to the spirit of fear, but right in the midst of it, I will stand up and I will boldly declare my identity of who I am in Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of the most high God. Amen. Amen. I am who your word declares me to be. Amen. Lauren Daigle's coming out with a new song. I just heard it yesterday. It's going to be released in another week or so. And it's titled, You Say. And I encourage you to listen to it. You Say. Some of the lyrics are, when I don't feel loved, your word declares I am loved. And it goes along that line. Just powerful, powerful. You Say. I like the title. I might have to make that a sermon series. You Say. (laughs) So what does God say about you? My dad said, don't forget who you are. As your pastor, I'm going to tell you, don't forget who you are as you leave here today. You are a child of the Most High God. You are saved. You are healed. You are favored. You are divinely protected. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have the spirit of power. You have the spirit of love. You have the spirit of a sound mind. You have been raised up together with Christ Jesus, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. That's a test to make sure that you do not have a spirit of fear. Amen. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Did anybody remember what I just said? (laughs) Okay, we're going to close with that. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, Father, just thank you for your blessings. Thank you, Lord God, for your provision. Thank you, Lord God, for your insight. And it's my prayer, Father God, that you open up the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart, our spiritual eyes, Father, that we come to a place where we always see and we comprehend and come to a place of knowing the truth of who we are in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and refusing to yield to any other identity. But Lord God, we only submit ourselves to the identity of who we are in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. In those moments when we feel like mere grasshoppers in in comparison to the obstacles that stand before us, Lord God, let us not succumb to that. We will not yield to that, Lord God, because we are not as mere insects. We We are the righteousness of God. We are above and not beneath. We are blessed as we go out. We're blessed in the field. We're blessed in the storehouses, Lord. We are always walking in the divine favor and blessings under the leadership and the anointing and the direction of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. May your ministering angels be with us at all times. Your, your divine protection, Father, your, as the psalmist declared in Psalm 91, that no plague shall come near our dwelling. And we thank you, Lord God, that we are divinely protected, that we have, you have been made wisdom unto us, and we have the mind of Christ in Jesus' name. We go into this week as, as being more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing love and your amazing grace. 
your amazing provision. All the people said,